Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. When I was a little girl, I was scared to death of hell. I grew up in Memphis, as you may know, in the heart of the Bible Belt. As here, there were a lot of uh, Baptists running around, including some in my family. And even in my traditional Presbyterian church, where we don't often talk about getting saved, There was people who uh, would say such things to us. I remember being in a Sunday school or a vacation Bible school class, and the teacher had us close our eyes, put our heads down, and she told us about the danger of hell and asked if we wanted to give our hearts to Jesus. Well, I certainly didn't want to go to hell, so yes, sign me up. And I did. I loved God. I loved Jesus. I was a bit of a religious zealot when I was little. I tried really, really hard to be good. And that process repeated itself a few times. I went to vacation Bible school at uh, this huge, 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 I can't even tell you how huge it is, Baptist megachurch in Memphis, and walked down the aisle when I was eight years old uh, during their altar call, and again, got saved. This was a different incident. And then years later, at a youth conference, I did it again. I gave my heart to Jesus for the third, fourth, millionth time. I don't know. I was really, really hoping each time that something would happen to me, that there would be some sort of magical transformation, and I would suddenly be perfect and good and happy and would make my parents happy, um, and probably, you know, that my brothers would stop being so mean to me, so on and so forth. Well, that magical transformation, the light coming from the sky, never happened. And so as I grew up, I kept kind of wondering, did I do that right? Was there some sort of magic trick I was supposed to know? There are hard truths in our lives, and dealing with who we are, our brokenness, our incompleteness, waiting for God to change us, well, maybe that's one of those truths, right? It's a foundational Christian doctrine that there is sin and that all humans are affected by it, that we are all somehow broken in our relationships with God and with one another, with ourselves, and nothing that we can do can escape that. As an adult, too, I find it hard when people tell me hard truths or point out uh, my failings, my inconsistencies. I know, for example, as many of you know by now, that I am late for literally everything in my entire life. But I feel powerless to change it. 
And the shame I feel about that and my other feelings, the shame I feel about wanting God to save me and feeling like, man, maybe I'm just too broken or too messed up to be saved. All those feelings and that fear come up when I hear this passage today from John, from Luke's Gospel, but we hear the words of John's sermon. I'm sure I'm the one being sent to the fire and that it will be very bad there in the fire. I search for the grace in that passage. I cower, I shrink. I feel like a finger is pointing at me that I will never measure up how hard I try. And truthfully, I want to change, but I don't. I don't really want to put in the hard work. And I want to be left alone, feeling safe and secure in my life. I want things to be easy. Maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe when you hear these bracing words from John, you feel afraid, too. Maybe deep down, we know that these words do apply to us, and we're not sure how to deal with them. Maybe deep down we know that we are the husks or the chaff of the wheat that needs to be destroyed, the dead trees and bushes that need to be chopped down, and ooh, we don't want to be the dead wood, do we? No, we want to be good, we want to bear fruit. It's hard to accept God's love and grace, isn't it? For when confronted with that truth, we know that we're all stuck with ourselves, and so we know all of the bad habits, the self-defeating behaviors, the terrible beliefs that we have that come over us again and again and again. We know the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves, and so maybe these words cause us to be afraid. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you think John's call doesn't apply to us. You may want to argue with him. Dear John, why don't you save your breath for some people doing the really bad stuff? I'm not that bad. And yet, John's words of judgment, of fire and repentance come to us. And the passage ends by insisting that John proclaimed good news. And so I have to wonder, how is all that we've heard from John good news for us? Where is the good in this fire, this fear, this repentance? Okay, so if we feel afraid or ashamed or proud, let's try and sit with that and think around it and consider for a second that maybe we are not doomed to the hellfire and the brimstone and think of how this might be good news. Fire is both good and bad, right? We use it to keep warm, to cook things. Our appliances have us distanced from all that, but yes, fire is essential. And in nature, it is too. In the early years of the National Park System in California, the park rangers suppressed the wildfires that occurred naturally in that area. 
But that changed the forest over time, and the ecosystem suffered. The great sequoia forests actually rely on and benefit from the fires. The trees have adapted and thrive in a fire-prone environment. Fires help release the pine cones so that the seeds are able to get out. Fires also clear away the leaf litter and the debris from the forest floor. This allows seedlings from the cones to grow in a better environment for them. Mature sequoias survive wildfires because they have fire-resistant bark that can grow up to two feet thick. Who knew? And today, in some of the managed places where there are groves of giant sequoias, the Park Service has learned, and so they carry out small burns on purpose in order to clear out the leaf litter. And I understand here that in our prairie, out that way, our wildflower prairie, that we occasionally burn it to do the same thing, the cleansing, the restoring work of fire. Consider, to the day of Pentecost from the book of Acts, written by the same author as the Gospel of Luke, part two of Luke's Gospel. The Pentecost is the day when the Spirit came, and we hear that they saw that what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of the people who were gathered there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. The fire and wind of the Holy Spirit empowered them. Maybe fire has a place in our lives. Maybe John's words of judgment are not about going to hell, but about who we will be. You see, we assume, or at least I do, that the wheat and the husks, the good fruit, the bad fruit, that these are individual people, but maybe the wheat and the chaff are parts of us. Maybe the husks, the chaff, the bad fruit that needs to be cleared away, those are our anxieties, our self-absorption, our apathy, our materialism. Anything that makes us less generous or separates us from others. Maybe, too, the fire isn't exactly hell, but the judgment, again, is about who we will be. It's a moment for discernment. Maybe it calls us to ask, as that crowd did, what should we do? What should we do? And here, I think we're getting to the good news. John doesn't tell the crowds to drop everything and follow him or follow even Jesus. Sometimes, yes, those are the instructions that Jesus gives, but that day, John gives instructions to three different groups, and basically he says, go home and live your lives as if God's kingdom is near because it is. Debbie Thomas writes, go home to your families, your neighbors, your vocations, your colleagues. Stop fleeing. Stop insisting that God is far away from the nitty-gritty dailiness of your particular life. Instead of waiting for a holy Sunday that will never come, inhabit the stuff of your life as deeply and as generously as you can right now. 
Share now. Be merciful now. Do justice now. Inhabit your life no matter how plain, how obscure, how unglamorous, how routine. Why? Because the holy ground that matters most is the ground beneath your feet. The good news here is that when faced with the fire, when faced with the shame and the weight of our sin, our brokenness, our deepest, darkest pains and secrets, we are not doomed to stay the same forever. God restores us, makes us whole. God doesn't just sit with us to comfort us during the hard times, but God is working on those hard, calcified parts of ourselves, the dark parts that we often deny exist. There is good fruit to bear in our lives. Change is possible for us and for the world. Joy is real, and it is possible to be joyful and fruitful and awake to God's kingdom. There is joy in bearing fruit, and that joy is available to you. There's great joy in being who God created you to be, generous, kind, and truthful. To live God's way is not always easy, but it is joyful. So maybe there's joy in laying down that shame that we have carried. Maybe there's joy in hearing that hard truth that we are neither as good or as bad as we think. Maybe there is joy in turning away from sin and finding new life. This time of year reminds me of the Christmas Carol and the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. And if anyone seemed like they would never change, it was certainly him. He was set in his ways, so stuck and calcified as he was in his ungenerosity and meanness. And yes, it did take three supernatural ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future to change him. But change he did. And change we can too. We can be different than we are now by God's grace. God calls us to repent. To not turn away from the fire that will refine us and restore us. But to turn towards it. We can trust that the fire that comes makes way for new growth. We can trust that what is burned is gone forever, and what emerges is new life. So this Advent, as we come to Christmas, turn into the fire. Let God work in you so that the old wood may fall away. Let God clear away the disappointment that keeps you from joy. Let God clear away the hopelessness that you feel in some relationships that will seem like they will never change. Let God clear away your fear of reaching out and asking for help. Your fear of connecting with someone different from you. Your fear of asking questions without easy answers. Let God clear away the leaf litter of past hurts, of the defenses you use to keep your heart safe. If God can and does change us, and indeed God does, who might we be? What fruit might we bear as individuals and as a community 
tomorrow, next week, or next year. I say, let the fire fall. Come, Holy Spirit, make us new. Make this world new. Amen.